You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Getting a little chillier out there time, which means football games are getting more important time. Tennessee still undefeated time. LSU, ugly game over the weekend time, but got a win time. Lots and lots to talk about time. Guys, whatever time of day it is. It's the right time for the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a pleasant, uh, pleasant Monday afternoon here uh, in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee at Fort Rucker Studio, just a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium where Tennessee will not be this weekend, obviously. Tennessee will be uh, about nine and a half hours of a drive, a couple hours of a flight down on the bayou to play LSU. First year, Brian Kelly, first year coach, Brian Kelly and his LSU Bayou Bengals, the Fighting Tigers, at 11 a.m. Central, uh, certainly uh, noon noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Not not the uh, classic night at Death Valley that a lot of people understandably get a little weary uh, about, uh, a little bit different animal, although their record's pretty good, actually, in those 11 a.m. local kickoffs. But still, it's, it's not if you can play LSU at any time, that's the time you would want to play LSU. We got a lot of injury news to talk about today. We got a lot of stuff to, about the secondary with Tennessee. It's a big deal to talk about, even though LSU threw for like 85 yards last week. Lots and lots to talk about there. And to do all that, uh, let's go on down to Ben McKee's house and let's go over to the Home Daycare Center and get to Ryan Callahan. Fellas, what is up today? How much? Hey, uh, just just glad to be back uh back at work after a, a a down weekend away from uh from being at a stadium we got our break and ready ready to go refreshed and got it got a good one this week yeah i'm i'm fired up on this monday not only because we have a great matchup between tennessee and lsu this saturday but golly this month just sets up for some some big time football for the tennessee volunteers and it's it's been quite some time since we've been able to say that. First time since 2016 when Tennessee beat Florida and Georgia in pretty historic fashion and, and then melted away uh, against A&M and Alabama. And, but, but to me, Wes, this, this year even feels different than, than that year. I think that team, when you look back on it, certainly had more talent and, and more NFL guys on it. A lot of that team is still playing in the NFL, but – uh, the reason I feel like this year is different than even that year in a positive way is because of the positivity that Josh Heifel has instilled all throughout the program. Those of us who were familiar with Butch Jones and kind of what was going on behind the scenes kind of knew that it was a ticking time bomb. <laughs> and it was just yes. a matter of time before that ticking time bomb and, went off. And I, I and, mentioned Alabama and A&M. Ultimately, the, the biggest time bomb that went off was uh, the South Carolina and, and Vanderbilt ones there in November. But this this one certainly has a different feel for it. And uh, LSU, Alabama, Kentucky, those are three big games. And if, if, if Tennessee can go two and one in those games at minimum, 
then you're looking at a team that that's going to go to Athens in Georgia or Athens in November uh, and compete to go to Atlanta. Yeah, and and a team that would also at that point be competing for. I mean, if Tennessee's sitting there like a seven and one when the first college football playoff rankings come out, you could see Tennessee on that list. It's certainly within the realm of possibility if Tennessee. Uh, is just seven one at that point, and the Alabama game was. If that's the loss, if it's not a bad loss, you know there, there's lots of lots of things out there, and you're playing for a lot. And right now, you don't want to get out in front of your skis because you're you're going to Baton Rouge this weekend if you're Tennessee. But you look around, and you know Alabama kind of tried to give Arkansas a game there, and, and Arkansas just kind of gave it right back to Alabama with just an absolutely just completely fell apart, and and then Georgia. That's the second time this year Georgia has just not been very good. Uh, and and I'm, I, a lot of people are praising Mizzou for that performance uh, in Athens over the weekend. And, and I, I will praise the players for playing hard. But if Mizzou's coaching staff, particularly offensively, had a pair on them and would have been a little bit more aggressive when Georgia was wobbling, that game could have been out of reach for Georgia. Mizzou, that game, if I'm going back and looking at it, I, I just – you know, you get that turnover there on the 35 and you, you hand it off on the next play. You got a chance to go by three scores. You hand it off there. What, what in the hell, what, 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 what are you, what are you doing? And, and later in the game, just some, I, I realize there's an athletic discrepancy there between Georgia and pretty much everyone Georgia plays, but I, I, I'm going to praise Mizzou's players, but that coaching staff, man, that I'm, if I'm a fan, I'm not happy with that because if no. you're, you're going to lose the number one, by God, take your shots. You know, go out there yeah. swinging. Don't 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 just kind of back into hoping you get one play at the end of the game to to win that thing. That's just that's bad. But bottom line, Ben is is Bama and Georgia are good. I think they are the two best teams in the country, or, or right up there with them certainly. But they are absolutely not infallible right now. No, and and I just want to add to your point, and I'm sure Ryan will agree with this as well. Well, actually, he, he doesn't know what I'm about to say. Yeah. Who knows? He'll 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 he'll, <laughs> he'll, 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 he'll probably disagree. <laughs> no, I'm actually I'm gonna I'm gonna share somebody else's opinion. So I don't really know why I set Ryan up that way, but I, I like to to watch um, SEC football final every Saturday night because it recaps all the games and gives some analysis on the games. It's Ben Watson, Chris Doring, Takeo Spikes, and, and Dari Noka. We covering games don't get to really see a whole lot. At, at least specifically what goes on in the other games because we're covering Tennessee's games and, and that takes up a, a large chunk of the day. We yes. we see the highlight plays, we, we see the finals, but we don't really see what goes on throughout the game. So that's why I like to watch that. And uh, this, this past Saturday, they were discussing because on Saturday we were exactly 100 days away from the college football championship game. And they posed the question on the way out the door, obviously you have Alabama and Georgia, but how many SEC teams have a realistic chance of playing in the national championship game 100 days from now? And each and every single one of them said Tennessee. They said Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee are the three teams that have the most realistic opportunity to play in the national championship game. And and, and there are some side comments about Ole Miss being in, yeah, potentially being the, in the, the conversation. The way, the way Ole Miss runs the ball is, is really, really fascinating. Yes, and, and it does appear that uh, their defense uh, has taken a legitimate step forward. Uh, so I, I thought that was really interesting, Ryan. It should should that be the expectation that Tennessee can can play for a national championship? I, I don't really think so. 
I, I, I think you'd be misguided to have that expectation or really even to think that it will happen. But with the way Hinton Hooker is playing and, and the way that this offense can strike, you've got some of these big games coming up. And, and if you can steal an Alabama or a Georgia, as Wes was talking about, I mean, you're, you're going to be in the conversation to make the playoffs at the end of the year. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I still have these conflicting thoughts on what Tennessee actually is right now because, you know, you see Pitt lose to Georgia Tech and you see, you know, Florida. That, that's just Pitt, though. Pitt does that. Pitt goes up and yeah. Pitt goes down. And Pitt, Pitt's a weird team. Like, I feel bad for Pitt fans. That's their entire history, basically. That, that, that's fair. Um, but it, it, even that day, like, I. I mean, Tennessee didn't play well at all uh, offensively. And and I thought Pitt deserves some credit for that. But, I mean, we, we can look back on that game maybe at the end of the season and think that was one of Tennessee's worst performances. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if that ends up being the case. But I, I still don't I, – I mean, you, you just look at Tennessee. Like, going into last week, I, didn't, I haven't seen the updated numbers yet, but they were ranked 96 in the country in total defense, and they hadn't played anybody ranked higher than 50 in total offense. So, in other words, they've had – bad numbers defensively against a bunch of teams that are average to, to below average offensively. And so there's things like that that make me think, well, okay, we just don't know much about Tennessee yet because Florida played a pretty good game against Tennessee and gave them a test. But do we really know what Tennessee is going to be able to do against a team like Alabama or even LSU potentially? And on the other hand, you see all these other teams continuing to trip over themselves, even the teams at the top of the rankings not looking dominant. And it makes me think, Okay, I haven't really seen Tennessee as this top ten team, but if they're not a top ten team, who is? And and I think that's where they they clearly have a chance to show they belong in that group. And whether that means they're going to be in the playoff discussion in the in the long run, you know, obviously only time will tell on that. But like Ben said, this this is a big month for them. It sets up pretty well. Uh, they, they've got a, a I think a pretty winnable game Saturday at LSU that we'll get into in a second, and 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 I think a very winnable game against Kentucky at the end of the month, and then. Alabama next week, who knows? I mean, that we've seen over the years that one of the recipes for having a chance to knock off Alabama is having an offense that can score points. Tennessee's obviously got that. So if they can find a way to score enough to keep up with Alabama, hey, all, all bets are off. And, and, and Bryce Young, healthy or not, has had some, some actual tests on the road. He's had some very close games that he's had to survive. So I, I think there are a lot of things about the, the way this season's going that make you think Tennessee is – legitimately a top 10 team with a chance to be pretty special if they can put things together but that's the big f can they put it all together and can they play well enough on defense to overcome some of their shortcomings there yeah my, my quick take on that is I, I i think i would give tennessee a better chance to beat an alabama or georgia than i would have going into the season mm -hmm. but i also now almost think tennessee's got a better chance to lose a game it shouldn't lose than i had going into the season because that the way that defense has so many just just really really scary parts to it where they're not you get them in space and they're just they're just not that fast they're not that athletic they're not that good uh, so I think it just puts so much pressure on the offense to perform every single week and there are so many moving parts to Tennessee's offense that it's almost always going to be really good, but it's not always going to be really good because no offense is just dominant every single week. And if Tennessee has one of those games where maybe Hooker just doesn't quite put it together, maybe, you know, there's a couple fumbles, maybe a couple drop passes turn into a pick six. 
then all of a sudden the game gets to a point where that defense really can't get off the field much and, and it could lose one of those games. That, that's that's where I am on that. I think Tennessee offensively, uh, when it when it's normal offensively, could beat anybody on any day on any field. Anybody. Uh, I just uh, I, I worry when those one or two kind of rough offensive games are going to come because they always come, and, and that's when – you have to be able to rely on your defense, like Alabama did against Texas. You know, you have to you have to do those things. You have to win those games like that. And, and I don't know, in order to compete for a championship, you know, you you can't really get many losses. What maybe one tops? So I, I just don't see how they lose less few you know fewer than two games because I I, I just the the defense worries me. But speaking of that, there was some injury news on that front that we need to get to here in the first segment. Uh, I was uh, candidly uh, hand up in the air here. I was at the Knoxville Quarterback Club on Monday, so the rest of y'all were at Josh Heupel, uh, his Monday press conference, and then the players talk afterwards. So we were at the same points, just across the street from each other. Um, but Heupel did talk about injuries, guys. What, what were the big? What were the biggest uh, takeaways, both good news and bad news, from there? Well, the the biggest one was obviously Warren Burrell and the fact that he had surgery. Uh, and, and I believe it was a, a shoulder surgery. It, it was definitely upper body. Uh, he got mm-hmm. hurt in overtime uh, against Pittsburgh, and uh, they they ultimately decided to go ahead and and have the procedure done. Uh, and as a result, Warren Burrell is going to miss the rest of the season, and, and that is a, a big loss just because Tennessee does not have bodies in the in the secondary and they definitely don't have bodies at corner so you're, you're going to need some guys who are inexperienced and are, are very wet behind the ears to step up and and fill those shoes and it's not like elsewhere in the secondary that they're they're healthy as well uh specifically at corner uh Kamal Haddon has been a little banged up here and there but he, he's not at all on the worry list uh at the moment D Williams the the Juco transfer He's yet to play this season, um, but uh, Josh Eichel did say that he's expected to play this weekend. And, and I'll be real curious, Ryan, to see how big of a boost that can give this Tennessee secondary because it it it, it is almost like a professional team right now, an NBA team that, that needs a, a wing defender or a scorer or a, a baseball team that, that needs a, a bat or, or an arm at the deadline. An NFL team that needs a DB at the deadline. That's what Tennessee is right now. Tennessee needs a DB at the trade deadline. And because D. Williams has missed the first month of the season, he can somewhat be that that addition uh, that, that you don't that you can't really pick up in college football because obviously you can't add players midway through the season. But I'm real curious to see how productive he can be because man, Tennessee sure does need him to be productive quick, fast, and in a hurry. They they do, and that's that's going to be a fascinating storyline because, you know, I, on one hand, I don't know that I would recommend that fans just hang their hopes on, on D Williams being the savior for that secondary, because he, he's an, he's a fascinating figure uh, in that whole cornerback equation, because throughout spring practice, when, when there really weren't many scholarship bodies out there at all, I feel like we just didn't hear his name a lot. You know, there wasn't a lot of early buzz or anything like that. Um, that suggested he was going to really challenge for a starting job with all those veterans that were sitting out this spring. But then, you know, you, obviously you get a summer to improve, and he, he continued to work through camp and, and looked solid. And, and it sounded like toward the end of camp he had started to come along and obviously ended up getting a spot in the two-deep 
going into the season. He just wasn't healthy to start the year. So we don't really know, and, and in some ways Tennessee probably doesn't completely know what they have in D. Williams, but I don't know that he's the type of guy who's really going to come in and transform this secondary. As you said, it's, it's definitely adding a needed option back there um, to a secondary that, let's face it, without Warren Burrell, and you can think of Warren Burrell whatever you want, but without him, they had some struggles in the Florida game, and they were just kind of throwing guys out there to see if something stuck. You know, Brandon Turnage got a shot. Deshaun Rucker got a shot. Uh, they were just trying to find something to stop the bleeding. And so, obviously, there's, a, there's an opportunity for a guy like D. Williams to help, and, and Josh Heupel kind of alluded to that on Monday, that, that, that they're, he expects him to play well, and that, that kind of suggests he's going to be playing, period. So we'll, we'll see what kind of role he has this week and, and, and if he can make, a, make the most of that opportunity. But that's a, that's a big deal uh, for this team to, to at least get another body back there and, a, and at least an experienced guy coming from the junior college level that even if he hasn't played at this level yet, it isn't a true freshman coming in there that, that hasn't played at the college level before he at least has some experience and some good athleticism as his return ability would suggest. I think he could even help on punt returns. We'll see about that too. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I, when I think about D Williams, I, I go back to thinking about preseason camp and which is obviously during, it's the only time during the year other than bowl camp really that we get to see some practice. You know, we, we've said this before a million times, but if you're just now listening to the podcast the first time, Josh Heupel, when he's the head coach of a football team, you get to see some, you know, a few periods of practice during camp. Uh, and then once they get into regular season mode, we don't see anything at all during the season whatsoever. And, and then in bowl practice, it's opened up a little bit too. And then in the spring, it's open a little bit. That They just, they go really, they go into team period stuff really early in practice. So they just don't want us out there for that. And that's, hey, it's their ball, their court, their rules. But I'm talking about D. Williams and in camp, I really liked, he was a confident kid. Like, if you're going to play corner, you have to be not just confident. Like, that's one of the few places where you got to be arrogant to play. Like, you got you have to think of yourself as 10 feet tall and bulletproof if you want to play corner at this level. Because no matter how good you are, you're going to get beat some. And when you do, you have to be arrogant enough to think, that was luck, I'll get the next one. Like, you got to keep working, you got to be hungry, you got to do all those things. But you really just you have to have a swagger as much as anything else. Uh, it's almost as important to me as the physical components of it because you just have to you have to have that. And D. Williams to me in camp was a guy who you know would talk a little bit, would not not like Kamal Haddon because Kamal Haddon's a freak show in that way. But but he's out there confident. He's running around. He'll hit people. He'll he'll talk to you. I I I like that. I think he could be a guy. He doesn't even have to be really good to be an improvement there he just has to be okay even if he's slightly below average that would be better than what they've been getting at at, at corner occasionally this season which has been terrible so I wouldn't say like get super fired up about it but I wouldn't stop anyone from getting a little bit excited about it because he he doesn't have to be good to to help them to help them get better so I I think it's another body uh, and you'd like to think by some point toward the end of the season, someone's going to help there. But regardless, we'll talk more about the secondary in the second segment. But before we go to break, uh, quickly on, on offense, obviously everyone wants to know about Cedric Tillman. He was limping around a little bit on Monday apparently, but he, he did some stuff. That, that's that's Heupel's words, not ours. Um, but we'll see. And then the running backs, I would expect they'll both be okay. But uh, Jabari Small's shoulder is going to be a concern from now until the day he stops playing football whenever that is. It's just how it is with him now, and I think we can officially say that. But anything else offensively with Tillman, the running backs, anything else catch y'all's attention injury-wise? Well, just to, to add to the, the Tillman situation, uh, I, I certainly think it's possible that he could play 
this weekend against LSU, I, I think the ultimate goal is to, to make sure that he is 1,000% good to go. I, and I don't – maybe I shouldn't say 1,000% good to go because I think when Tillman does eventually play, I don't, I don't think that he's going to be at 100%. But uh, in terms of 1,000% being back and in uniform and playing in a game, I, I think the bigger objective is, is to make sure he's good to go for Alabama next Saturday. But again – it is possible that he could play against LSU. It was never possible that he was going to play against Florida. Yeah, was uh, the goal was always to, to 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 try and have him back by the, by LSU. So we'll see how uh, he, he does in practice this week. Um, but I I do think at, at worst he's he's back next Saturday uh, against Alabama, assuming he doesn't have any setbacks. And Josh Heupel did confirm uh, what was reported uh, a few days ago that, that Cedric Tillman underwent the tightrope uh, procedure to uh, expedite the recovery from that particular injury. It's the same uh, surgery that, that Tua Tunga Bailoa had at Alabama Twice. Uh, a couple of years ago. Twice, yeah. And, and yeah, and, and definitely helps and made them feel better about his chances of being back, as you said, Ben, by that Alabama game at the latest. So I think they – they feel pretty good about where he is right now, all things considered. You know, the Florida game, you know, there, there was never any, any hope of him being back uh, by then coming off that procedure. You know, he was on the, on the sideline at the end of that game, what, in a, in a boot or, or something. So it was obvious that he was uh, nowhere close to playing that day. But I, it, it's, it's, good, it's good news for Tennessee that he's back on the practice field and at least trying to do some things to, to work his way back into the mix. And if he could play this weekend, Huge boost, but I, I think if you're Tennessee, you, you have to feel a lot better about your chances against LSU either way because of what that passing game was able to do against Florida, uh, against a team with you know pretty good talent in the secondary, even if Florida is not as loaded on that side of the ball as they as they maybe sometimes have been in the past. Um, still to be able to go out there and throw it that effectively and just kind of keep things rolling uh, almost as if Cedric Tillman wasn't even out. The, the production was at that level anyway with Jalen Hyatt, with Brew McCoy, with Ramel Keaton playing well. Uh, that's got to be a, a shot in the arm for, for that group of receivers and for that offense to know they could do that if they have to play without Tillman again this week. And I think those couple extra weeks of practice, too, without Tillman out there, if you think about it, Tillman's a guy who normally likes to get as many reps as possible because he's just a kid who wants to play football all the time. So, um, you know, he's kind of like, hey, I, you know, some guys you want to limit a little bit during practice – like Rick Barnes does with some of his seniors in basketball a little bit, like, hey, you just take it easy today. Tillman doesn't like to do that. Tillman likes to go out and play. Uh, and, and I think that what I'm trying to say is that's a lot more reps for some of those freshmen, some of those younger guys to get during practice. So um, in a couple of days, can you change or, or maybe five practices total over two weeks? Can you just completely take your game to another level as a fr- No, no, you can't. But you can get a little better. You can get more acclimated. You can get more ready. Plus, you get a couple weeks to get the wheels spinning in your head, knowing, hey, um, I, they they need me now. And sometimes, as a player, just knowing that you're needed uh, can change things in a hurry. Because if you know you're not going to play much, or you know you basically don't have a chance, I don't care who you are. It, it changes you a little bit. You, you don't maybe go quite as hard. You maybe don't focus quite as much. If you know you got a really good chance to play or a better chance to play, you're going to be freaking locked in, man. Especially if you thought for the whole season you weren't going to get much and now you get a chance, boy, you're going to get that kid's full attention for a couple of weeks. You're, you're going you're gonna to really get, really, really get focus out of him. So I think some of those young guys maybe have a chance to, to take advantage of that. But we got to talk a lot more 
about the secondary because we know those offensive situations, those injuries, they are what they are. We will see throughout the week. Defensively, though, uh, I think we all know with Tennessee that is the the primary area of concern, uh, particularly on the back end of that defense. So we got a lot to talk about there uh, because LSU's passing game, not so great. Tennessee's passing defense, not so great. You know who else? You know who else didn't have a very good passing game? Florida. So lots to talk about there. But before we do that, step away, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then we'll be right back here on the Go Vols Twenty Four Seven Podcast. Hashtag ad. Money. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ben McKee coming to you from a house that we still need to name. Ryan Callahan coming to you from his home daycare center. Talking Tennessee football on this beautiful, uh, I don't maybe not beautiful Monday afternoon. The sun's coming out now as I'm saying that. Thank you, baby Jesus, for that. But but generally speaking, kind of an overcast day. Um, but but it's a, it's a really sunny period right now around East Tennessee, around Knoxville. Tennessee is 4-0. Tennessee is ranked in the top 10. Basketball is getting ready to get started. Fall baseball has gotten started. There's a lot of buzz, a lot of positivity, a lot of good stuff in the air, and a lot to talk about. However, uh, there is also Tennessee football's defense, which is uh, maybe maybe not as sunny. So we'll talk about that here a little bit in this segment, though. Um, but before we do that, just a, a quick, quick request from this end. Please go in there. Please, guys. If you're just listening on the website, we love you. Nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps us out the most, though, is if you go in there and subscribe to and rate and review 
this podcast. Uh, there's no wrong way to, to listen to it. If you're listening to it on the site and that's how you do it, you do you, boo-boo. We still love you. But please go in there, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod. You can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very, very few complaints from our end. But what helps us out the most, uh, please, please, I think since, and, and since we're asking, since we're doing this for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there and rate and review and subscribe. And go tell your friends, too. Tell people you play golf with. Tell people that you, you see at church. Tell people that you see walking your dog. Uh, tell people you see at work. Uh, if you don't have any friends, uh, go find someone wearing Tennessee orange and say, hey, will you be my friend? Because I don't have any friends. But I wish I did have friends. Maybe you'll be my friend because I'm, I'm telling you to, to, to listen to this really awesome Go Vols 24-7 podcast. If you're doing all those things, thank you. We love you. If not... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Guys, Tennessee football defense secondary issues. Uh, we know this is the case. This is not breaking news. We don't need to play that uh, the famous breaking news jingle there. This is well known. My question's here, what could Tennessee possibly do with uh, an open date and then a week of practice in, in basically two weeks of work, what can be done with with those options that they have now in order to not play great maybe, but play better on the back end? What can they do? What's possible? There, there's certainly a, a lot that's, that's possible. I, I I think you would have liked to have had the bye week come maybe a week or, or two later. Uh, right now it is good. And how you determine whether the bye week was situated – each each season is always situational. If, if Tennessee was was really really banged up, which in a way that they are really really banged up right now, then then it probably comes at a good time because you're going to get D Williams back. It, it seems uh, that they gave him an extra week uh, to to get back and get in the flow of things. And boy, could it not come at a better time with Warren Burrell being done for the year and just a, a lack of of depth in general and, and the secondary struggling. But also now Cedric Tillman uh, is is it's a possibility that he plays. And if, if you would have played LSU this past weekend, he doesn't play. So I, I think that's honestly the, the biggest storyline for me coming out of the bye week. And Wes, we, we kind of touched on that last week. But th- there are obviously X's and O's that, that Tennessee can uh, improve in. Uh, offensively, I, I like where, where Tennessee is at. Maybe some some tweaks and some extra periods spent on situational football would, would have really benefited them, such as the four-minute offense. I thought it looked better than it has in the past against Florida, but but still wasn't what it needed to be. Just just looked real clunky and, and awkward getting lined up because they weren't going warp speed and they had to slow it down, and, and guys were trying to figure out should I line up now? Should I wait another second or two? And, and it resulted in, in two pre-snap penalties that, that you can't have when you're trying to put a team like Florida away. You, you just cannot have that in, in SEC football games. So that that's really my only bone to pick on, on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, then with the defensive side, I'm, uh, the, the common theme is obviously the secondary. Uh, that That is the big concern with this football team right now. And you, you had to have spent the bye week and this week going into LSU, whether they struggled to throw the ball against Auburn or not, you, you had to have found at least a couple of things that you were willing to try 
to improve against LSU in the secondary. Whether they'll work or not, who knows? We'll see. But you had to come up with three, four, five things. You had to get back to the drawing board and, and try to reinvent the wheel almost because the, the secondary play just isn't going to cut it. And we've talked about it. I, I kind of think it is what it is because of a lack of talent and depth. I think it's more of a recruiting is going to fix the secondary more so than something that can happen in-house. But uh, why shouldn't Christian Charles maybe get a look back at, at safety where he has looked better at than corner to this point in his career? Uh, Brandon Turnage, he's been MIA for a large chunk of his playing time since he had that breakout game against South Carolina last year. Is he a true corner? He hasn't looked like it this far this season. Every time he's thrown into the game, he gets burnt deep down the field. So do you, do you try to stick him there and keep him there, or, or do you try to move him back to nickel? And if you did that, what does that mean for Tavarion McDonald? Because obviously McDonald's going to be on the field, but could McDonald play safety and, and you let a guy like Brandon Turnage or Wesley Walker take over in the slot? Just those things. I'm not saying that any of those are the answer, but trying to find solutions like that, I, I think we're, we're just absolutely critical uh, over this two-week span. Yeah, and I, I would love to 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 know if they did look into some of that. I, I've not picked up on any of that sort of uh, experimenting, uh, at least from, from what I've heard so far about the, their off date, uh, open date practices. But I, I do think they would be would be wise to try some of that the, those types of things. And that's where I thought they they needed to try some different combinations in the Akron game, uh, you know, in in the Ball State game early in the year, and and we just didn't see enough of that from Tennessee I thought because you know I, I think this this situation was sort of foreseeable and, and I just don't know that they um for for whatever reason felt the sense of urgency to 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 try to throw some things out there and see see what options they might have because yeah now you are without Warren Burrell for the rest of the season now you might need some other options and 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 what if there's another injury at some point you really might need to to experiment then so uh, you know, not not sure if they did or didn't use the open date to, to try some of that stuff, but but I think they would have been wise to. Sounds like a a, a typical open date uh, for from the way Josh Heupel described it. You know, sort of back to back to the fundamentals. Um, you know, helping some of the young guys continue to develop those kinds of things, and, and, and as he said, that's good for your whole team too when you can do that. So I I think of a position like a position group like the secondary that can certainly benefit from that type of week. Um, is that going to fix everything that ails this secondary? Clearly not. I mean, there's obviously a talent and depth deficiency, as, as you said, Ben, that, that is leading to some of the problems Tennessee has, and you're just not going to fix that in one, two weeks. You know, maybe an offseason of growth from some of those guys, and, and you could see some different different looking players next year. But for the most part, you probably are what you what you are at this point to to a large degree, and it's it's about you know just making whatever incremental improvements you can make. So the things I wonder about going into this game. Do we see some different coverages? Um, do we see Tennessee try to try to use those guys a little bit differently back in the in the secondary? Do we maybe see them because there there has been a little bit of a disconnect. It's felt like at times between the way Tennessee is covering guys and what they're trying to do up front. You know, if you're going to get after the quarterback and they say uh, they're a pressuring defense, you know, Tim, Tim Banks said uh, just a few weeks ago that that's that's sort of their identity. That's who they are. If you're a pressure defense, you want to be aggressive on the back end. And we don't see that a lot, I feel like, from Tennessee's corners in the way they cover. And I feel like that's partly because of they know their limitations. So do you maybe try to be more aggressive? Or do you maybe go the other route and just try to play more zone? Which I think you could certainly make the argument for that. 
Um, that That's what I'm interested in seeing. Do we see some of those types of tweaks where Tennessee just sort of maybe tries to play to the strengths of what it does have a little bit more, or at least what it's trying to do a little bit more, as opposed to just kind of continuing to do the same thing and, and hoping for better results with better execution. You could try either way, but I think there's at least a case to be made for trying to use some different coverages back there, at least shaking things up to see if you get better results. I think last week, and we talked about it a little bit on the podcast at some point last week. I'm not sure which episode it was. But but I think I've talked myself more into the uh, Leroy Jenkins mode uh, of I don't think they're going to be very – good coverage wise on the back end um and i think that for better or for worse i I think willie martinez and that defensive staff tim banks i think they are wedded to those safeties that's who they're going to play that's their guys their captains on the defense they've been at tennessee forever they're going to play those guys unless they're hurt that's just what they're going to do and so that's why i think rather than moving some of those corners back to safety which i think they would be better at doing and they maybe would help the defense at that point, in my opinion, you're, you're, you're taking corners away from reps they could get at a place where maybe they could get better, and you're, you're then putting them in a position where they're not going to play this year unless somebody gets hurt. So I, I think that that's where I would worry about, like, is it a waste of time if you're not serious about letting those guys get back there and play, which I don't know. I just think that they are, they are wedded uh, to those safeties. That's who it's going to be. So I would say, you know what, um, Let's just go back to applying pressure. You can't monster blitz every play. You got to mix it up, or you're going to get torched. But I think I would err on the side of just bringing more pressure, and and maybe you can force some bad throws, some some bad decisions, some turnovers. You might give up a few more big plays, but you know what? Give up a hell of a lot of those against Florida, anyways, and you weren't trying to. So that's going to happen. And, and I think if you're Tennessee, the more possessions there are in a game the more Tennessee's probably going to feel comfortable because they think they can outscore you, right? Why did Florida go for it six times on fourth down? Not because necessarily of Tennessee's defense, although I'm sure that was part of the equation. The biggest part was they were terrified because they knew if they didn't score, they weren't going to be able to stop Tennessee on the other end. So they that was the only way they could be in the football game. So I think I would just go more attack, 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 to paraphrase the, the late Johnny Majors, and, and just attack, go after them try to force some turnovers, try to force some negative plays, because I, I just don't think that they're they're going to make a lot of personnel changes there. I think in their mind as coaches, they're 4-0. Things are going okay. Um, they got a bunch of seniors out there on the back end that they trust, and they're going to ride with those guys. So if you're not going to do that, and now Burrell can't play, you got to get better play at corner, so I would keep mixing in those guys at corner until you find some some combinations that work. Because if you're if you go out there and you try some stuff and it doesn't work, well, who cares? If you're doing the same thing, it wasn't going to work anyway. So I I, I don't want to sound defeatist or alarmist. I I just think if you're if you're wedded to those two on the back end, you're going to have to mix it up in front of them and you're going to have to get really aggressive. Um, because there's no point now. Uh, Tank McCullough, world class kid. He's not a good angle taker, and that's not going to change five years into his career or four years into his career. He's just not going to all of a sudden start calibrating his speed better and taking better angles on some of these plays. Uh, he's not going to do that, right? Uh, Trayvon Flowers, four or five years into his career, he's gotten a little bit better at it, but he's also not just going to be out in the wrong place sometimes. That's just – if that was going to change it, it probably would have by now. They've got enough experience. So know what you have and work around it. And I would – maybe I'm wrong, guys. I would just – I would sort of step on the accelerator now and just try to create havoc defensively. 
I'm with you. That, that's my thought process as well. That, that was my thought process going into the Florida game. And it, it seemed like uh, Tennessee was rightfully too afraid to, to allow Anthony Richardson to, to get out of the pocket and, and run around. And uh, it, it seems like for the most part, they, they did a, a good job of bottling his legs up. Uh, I mean, I, it, it didn't feel like Matt Corral <laughs> and Ole Miss. Correct. Uh, a season ago or, or feel like what Anthony Richardson uh, did to, to Utah in the opener. I can't remember off the top of my head how many rushing yards Anthony Richardson had, but it, it certainly was his arm that hurt Tennessee's defense more than his legs. And I, I understand that he hasn't necessarily proven that he is the, the most gifted <laughs> passer, uh, not only passer, but also, that, that maybe he's still coming along in terms of football IQ from the quarterback position and you want to you want to make him make decisions because he hasn't necessarily shown that he can make good decisions, but it, it doesn't really matter who's that quarterback when there's no defensive back or defender within ten or fifteen yards of the receivers. So I I, I get that, but you, you can still bring pressure and generate havoc while also containing his legs and I I thought that that forced him into bad decisions when he did make bad decisions I mean go back and and look at the very final possession it it was only three plays but I think it's telling of of Tennessee's current situation on on defense Ryan and, and that's that after Florida recovers the onside kick they ran three plays on the first play Tennessee did not bring pressure and he, he made a completion of like 14 yards to get down to the Tennessee 39-yard line. Tennessee brought pressure on the next play, and it resulted in a high pass and an incompletion. They brought pressure on the final play of the game. Tyler Barron and Byron Young met at the quarterback. Anthony Richardson couldn't get any power behind his throw, and he threw it up, and Kamal Haddon was able to intercept the pass. And if that's not enough evidence, go back and look at the pit game. Go back to last year and look at the end of the Kentucky game when Will Levis was picking Tennessee's defense apart on that final possession when they were trying to win the game. And then Tim Banks said, screw it, we're bringing pressure, and Will Levis couldn't make anything happen. So I think, Ryan, that that's, that has to be the the, the thought process and, and the plan moving forward. And you're going to get beat doing that at times, but I, I think there's a greater chance of a turnover or getting a stop because you forced the incomplete pass because you got pressure on the quarterback, I think there's a, a greater chance for success going that method and, and rather than just allowing the quarterback to sit back there and pick you apart. Yeah, and that, and that's more playing to Tennessee's strengths. Um, so I, I, I do like that a, approach. And, and I think week to week, that's probably going to be a better option for Tennessee. I do think matchup-wise – what LSU has done lately presents an interesting dilemma for Tennessee because LSU's passing game against Tennessee's secondary is sort of a weakness-on-weakness matchup a little bit, it looks like, from what we've seen of LSU recently. Uh, we got Brian Kelly on Monday talking about how, how Jaden Daniels needs to basically be more aggressive uh, throwing the football, take more chances. He's been too conservative, uh, too um, – mistake averse I guess you could say just trying to take care of the ball and that's great but at some point you've got to push the ball down the field well now you're going against the Tennessee secondary that if you play the short passing game you're probably playing into their 
to their hands a little bit because they've 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 shown they can be beaten down the field. So does LSU actually turn up the aggression this week? If if they do, are they any good at it? And does Tennessee have a chance to maybe capitalize on an offense that's not going to stretch the field quite as well, quite as effectively, quite as often uh, as maybe Alabama or Georgia or some other teams on the schedule will? That, that's a it's an interesting matchup. So I don't I don't know what the best way to approach this one might be, but it does uh, maybe give Tennessee at least some thoughts, some different options going into this week about how it how to approach an LSU offense that's been you know, not the best passing offense, certainly that they've, that they will face this year. And, and, but yeah, generally speaking, I think for the rest of the season, I I do think that's, that would be much more playing to their strengths, just sort of leaning into what they do have, which is a pretty effective pass rush, trying to bring pressure as much as, as much as it makes sense to do that without completely exposing your secondary. And, and yeah, just seeing if you can kind of cause some havoc because clearly your secondary isn't going to do much of that on their own. So see what you can make happen in the, in the front seven, uh, to maybe force some turnovers or at least get some sacks uh, that, that kind of change possessions and, and get you the ball back. Yeah, I, I think it, the, the reason that you can't just like blitz every play is pretty obvious because if, if you're just going to blitz every play, then what's going to happen is LSU or whoever is just going to start throwing swing passes and tunnel screens and bubbles, and they're going to be out there in space with your defenders one-on-one, and they're going to get some 50, 60, 70-yard touchdowns out of it. That's why you have to mix it up. But I would still err on the side of bringing a bunch of different blitzes where you don't know where they're coming from. Um, but I would still err. I mean, sometimes you're going to you know rush three, drop eight, stick them in zones, give the quarterback you know some problems, stuff to think about. But Jane Daniels has been playing college football for like four years now. He he's you know he showed against this year against bad teams that they've played. He's been able to to put up pretty good passing numbers against decent defenses he, he's put up meh numbers I mean he had 80 freaking passing yards against Auburn but they won that game so uh, at the end of the day he did his job but but I think if you're going into it and you're looking at his numbers against bad teams and you think well I wouldn't exactly call Tennessee's defense a good one maybe terrible is a strong word um, but it's certainly not a good defense and Daniels has proved he can pass against those kinds of defenses. So fair point. You're going to have to go after him. Like, I think you look at it and you go, well, 80 yards against Auburn. Well, let me look at the other games real quickly. He had, uh, against New Mexico, 24 of 29 for 279, uh, against uh, Mississippi state, uh, which is a decent defense, 22 of 37 for 210 and a touchdown, no picks, uh, Southern that doesn't count. That's a scrimmage FSU 25 of 34, for 209 and two touchdowns. I mean, the, he, I, I think he, he's going to probably – I mean, if he has a 300-yard passing game this year, it's probably going to be this week. I mean, you just look at the statistics. I mean, that's that's sort of what Tennessee is right now. So that's why I would say you don't want to – you don't want to just sit back, I think, and let him just sort of just work his way down the field, tie your defense out. I would attack, and I would try to get him behind the sticks. I would try to get some either holding calls or tip balls or false start penalties if you get him rattled. I would try to get him behind the chains, get him off schedule. Then you can mix it up on second and long and third and long. I, I, I just, you know, and that's assuming that Tennessee can contain the run, which I think it can, I think, most weeks. Um, someone asked me the other day at, during the Alabama game, uh, could Tennessee can, you know, how would Tennessee – do anything against Jameer Gibbs. I said, between the tackles, I think Tennessee can handle him. He gets outside the tackles, they got no chance. But if they keep it between the tackles, 
they're, they've been pretty reasonably good there for a couple years now. You run the ball right at them, you're not going to get a ton. So, yeah, I mean, that that's you, you stop the run first and foremost or contain the run, and then you bring pressure on Daniels. I think that's – I just – I. I think we saw last week that sitting back in zones consistently, I understand why they tried to do it two weeks ago against Florida. I really do, but it didn't work. No, it, it, it did not. And and my thing with Jane Daniels is people people don't realize that he's he's actually pretty decent. Yes. Uh, I'm not going to say that he's 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 not Hendon Hooker. He's not KJ Jefferson or Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. He, he's not in that tier whatsoever. But he, he's not bad. And and there are some out there who like to make him uh, seem as if he is a bad quarterback. He he is. I think you summed it up pretty well, Wes. He, he's probably not going to play lights out against a a good defense. He, he's probably going to struggle more so than not. But against average defenses and against bad defenses, he's probably going to carve them up um, just because of his dual threat. Uh, ability. Uh, he, he's not the world's greatest passer, but you don't have to be in college football to have success, especially when you are as mobile as he is. And now with John Emery coming back from his academic suspension, LSU's been able to get the run game going uh, uh, a little bit more, and I think that has opened up things for him as well. So uh, I, I would not at all be surprised if, if Tennessee is able to have success against him, but I also would not be surprised if if he has success against Tennessee. Uh, ultimately, I, I think we kind of know what is going to be Tennessee's recipe for success this season, and that's the offense putting up points and stopping the run on defense in, in terms of the, the true traditional between the tackle uh, running backs, stopping that portion of the run game, and then hoping that you can contain dual threat quarterbacks and, and potentially make a play or two that swings the game in your favor in the secondary. That's Tennessee's recipe for success until the defense gets better. And if they're not on their P's and Q's this Saturday in Baton Rouge, Jaden Daniels is is capable of running all over them. And if he, as I said if, earlier, if, if he can it, get time because his old line's not great. Yes, the uh, yeah, I, I I agree with that. I think it's a I think it's a very similar matchup to to the Florida game. I, I really do. I feel like we're saying the same things about LSU in, in the matchups as we were Florida in the matchups. Uh, Florida offensive line, uh, not maybe bad, but also not great either. So, uh, and, and again, the dual threat ability is what worries me most about Jane Daniels. But as I said earlier, it does not matter who is at quarterback if the receivers don't have a defender within 10 to 15 yards of them. It, it doesn't matter if it's Jared Garantano on one leg those passes will still be completed, and the quarterback will still throw for three, four hundred, nearly five hundred passing yards. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, and to to that point, I think it's a similar matchup to to Florida in a lot of ways. Like you were saying, I think the difference is you don't um, you don't have the quarterback with the reputation for having a really strong arm the way Anthony Richardson does. But Daniels, as you said, an experienced guy played power five football before this year was pretty highly regarded coming out of high school. There's a lot to like about him skill set wise. So yeah, there's still things you've got to be concerned about. Um, you know, just, just look at the results. It, it does, you know, p- w- people wondered at times last year is Hendon hooker sort of too conservative at times. Uh, you know, he would find guys open down the field, but you know, does he have to take more chances? Well, obviously he's taken plenty of chances and we've seen that more um, since then, but 
it, it kind of reminds you, seeing the numbers, it kind of reminds you a little bit of that mindset because you see he's efficient. In a lot of games, he's efficient. Auburn was a little bit different Saturday. He was 8 of 20, I think, for 80 yards. Um, other games, though, he's completing a pretty high percentage of his passes, just not throwing for a ton of yards. But the rushing yards are there, and that's still a cause for concern against Tennessee until until they show they can absolutely stop that on a regular basis. They did an okay job, I thought, against Anthony Richardson, stopping him from beating him with his legs. Obviously, different story on the passing game, but they've got to show they can do it again against Jaden Daniels, who who is, I think, you know, at, at least as far as we know, healthy enough to to cause some problems there, and and still should be someone that Tennessee takes very seriously. And as you guys said, they can't afford to take any quarterback lightly the way they're playing in the secondary. So even though he's not throwing for typically more than 210 yards against quality opponents, um, and I say quality, more power five opponents, um, they've still got to understand that their secondary can't take anything for granted, and they've got to do a good job of containing him because that's where I still would think this Tennessee defense is pretty vulnerable to, to maybe getting beaten in the run game by a guy like Jaden Daniels, especially when Tennessee's going to have to really worry as Ben was saying about the running backs, because LSU does have a pretty good group back there too. Yeah, and it gets uh, in, in the three Power Five games LSU's played this season. Uh, Daniels had against Florida State 16 carries for 114 yards uh, against Mississippi State, 16 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown. Auburn 16 carries, 59 yards and a touchdown. Didn't have a run longer than like 20 yards in in any of those games. But he did that thing that quarterbacks do where they get outside the pocket, they get the first down, they get down, and, and those are about as demoralizing as anything for a defense. You would almost rather give up – sometimes you would almost rather give up a big play than like that third and eight. You cover it really well. The quarterback kind of leaks out of the pocket, goes like eight, nine yards, slides down. So you don't, you don't, you don't even get a, a hand on him, but he gets to move the chains. You do that a couple times, that stuff really, really breaks a defense's – sort of will to fight in a game. So uh, th- those are big things to watch. There's lots and lots of big things to watch this week, but but it's I, I would say we all know Tennessee's uh, defense is going to be a huge part of the story, and that's assuming Tennessee gets the kind of game uh, that it feels like it's going to get offensively. So we will see. Brian Kelly is uh, an interesting guy, not a bad football coach, never has been, and uh, and I don't think ever will be. But will he, is he a fit down there? I don't know. Um, it's interesting, certainly. Uh, his Cajun accent leaves a little bit to be desired, but he's a good football coach, always has been. Uh, y'all got anything else we got out of here, Ryan? I think you got your uh, hand up like we're in elementary school here. What you got? Yeah. Hey, Ben did earlier too. Don't don't be acting like I'm yeah, but, but, uh, <laughs> but but I I'm, I'm I chose I chose not to insult Ben, and I chose to insult you. So well, that's just your personal choice, and it like is. many, that that was that was the wrong one. Uh, but no, uh, I, I was just going to throw in there that we did get the uh, the Alabama game time announced today, three uh, thirty CBS uh, start for that one as expected. Whoop, so whoop. Uh, Tennessee, uh, I, I mean, hey, I didn't expect CBS to pass on that game, especially knowing that there's a uh, a, a real chance that's a top ten matchup, potentially even top five matchup. I know some Tennessee fans have started to really think ahead kind of doing the math. Can a few teams ahead of them lose? Can Tennessee move up from beating LSU on the road if that happens? Um, either way, it's going to be a top-10 matchup if Tennessee wins this Saturday. So for CBS to turn that down um, against the other games that were available that week would have surprised me. But definitely uh, not not shocked to see Tennessee in the spotlight again for that one. Should be another fun one. Win or lose this week, I think that, uh, a fun one. But if Tennessee wins, to see that, to see the third Saturday in October, on the third Saturday in October for once, um, as a top 10 showdown for the first time in years will be 
a lot of fun. So, you know, regardless of how that one plays out, uh, it would be pretty cool to see that game kind of back in the in the national spotlight where for so many years it was on a, on a pretty much annual basis. Yeah, and, and that would be the conspiracy theory wheel start going in motion then of, does that mean that, that the Birmingham bat phone is going to favor Tennessee in this game this weekend if, if they think that they got a chance to make Tennessee-Bama a uh, – a top five-ish, top six-ish kind of matchup there at Neyland Stadium, 3.30 Eastern CBS. That's that's pretty big time for the league. That's a big one you can uh, – it's a big one you can uh, you, you can broadcast all over the place. And I, I'm wondering if that bat phone uh, is going to be like – you know, because over the weekend it was like, well, Georgia didn't hold there. No, Georgia didn't on that big fourth down. <laughs> uh, the, 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 it totally wasn't the wide receiver moving, I don't know, a full second before the play started, and, and they didn't do anything about it. Uh, so you're you know. saying – you're saying if Tennessee puts, say, 15 defenders on the field in a key spot this weekend, maybe yeah. just look the other way? Yeah, maybe the maybe the phone just didn't buzz. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe it's just like it's the, the traveling fans made so much noise and the, the crowd for LSU was booing so loudly that there was just a communications incident. They didn't get the buzz to, to, get, the, to get the signal to look at it. So what are you going to do at that point? You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. Is maybe the it, maybe the conspiracy theories in your favor this week? False, maybe, maybe. And I think everyone should get excited for this weekend's game by watching some good video of Brian Kelly dancing during those recruiting visit um, video shoots. Um, you need to get fired up for 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 any game, but especially this one. That that one will certainly get you ready. Maybe not for a football game, but it'll get you ready for something. Yeah, that's uh, like that the spinning. They do that thing. I actually had one of those at a at a Swain's wife's birthday party, and they had one of those like camera things that goes around in a circle. And I was like, yeah. I was trying to think of what are my Brian Kelly dancing moves that I can break out for this. Um, but then I couldn't. I knew they were bad, but I couldn't remember what they were. So I just tried to imagine what they were and and did that. Can, so. can we post your video from that in honor of Brian Kelly this I week? I don't have it. You would have to contact my wife for that. So feel free to to give it a shot. I don't know. I don't. I don't have. I'll, I don't have possession of it. So. I, I might have to hunt that down this week. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Y'all got anything else? I think we've <laughs> we've gotten a pretty good start on the week here. I think we we've we've hit home on the things we needed to. And thank you to Ryan for remembering to to mention the the game time for Alabama, especially because it's on uh, CBS, so we don't have to get zapped by the corporate overlords there for not mentioning it. Uh, ben, you got anything else? It's gonna be a fun week. Ryan just highlighted that, and a fun week and a fun month of Tennessee football. When was the last time we could say that? It's, it's been a it's been a hot minute it's been a hot minute thanks guys appreciate it thanks thank you wesley there's that button and now i can say thank you for listening to this edition of the go vols 24 7 podcast guys thank you thank you for listening we always say that but we always mean it thank you thank you thank you for listening you can find all of us on social media i'm west rucker 24 7 on twitter Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247 to get all of the stuff there or most of the stuff there. We got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day. Tons of stuff on there. All good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring Water right from the tap, go directly to GoBalls247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. 
We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least. So you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. And that's after a free trial. And that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial. And then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it. Get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows. You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of that now. Uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days, there's been a problem. We should be back here uh, in, in a couple days or so. You'll hear from us very, very shortly. Until then, guys, be good to each other. Be decent to each other, please. There's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore. God, we are so mean to each other. Have some basic human empathy. Allow people their dignity. Try to be kind. Be good to each other. Until then, be good, guys. See you. Where's Wes at? I, I, he already put my comments out there, so <laughs> he, he had direct quotes. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.